Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Amen. You may take a seat. If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that and turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Uh, If you don't have one, it's going to be on the screen, but I would prefer uh, that you have it out on your lap or on your phone. Um, We have just finished up uh, a eight-week-ish series on how to cope, and if you are here, I think... uh, Jeremiah and Christian and Nolan served us very well working through the Psalms of Ascent. And uh, yeah, you can give them a clap. Yeah, that was a clap. Uh, <clears throat> um, and so tonight is going to be standalone. Uh, next week is the costume candy party, whatever you want to call it. And then after that, uh, we're going to do, I believe, we're going to finalize it here in a few days. We're, I believe it's going to be four or five weeks in the book of Job. Um, and so we'll be doing that uh, if you're looking forward to what is coming. And so tonight uh, in Matthew 14, the title for tonight is uh, simply just getting out of the boat. Um, and really, as you're turning there, as you're kind of settling in, um, I, I have restrictions tonight on a time frame, so I'm going to be pointed and quick and, and to the point, hopefully. Uh, but here's, here's what I want you to think about um, as, as we get there. When you make a decision to go on a journey with someone, you should probably think beforehand what that journey or what that walk will imply. Um, all of you, or hopefully all of you, you have had to have the conversation with a significant other. Um, Would you go on a date with me? Would you date me? Would you make this official? Hopefully you have. If not, uh, I will pray for you. But you have that conversation. And when you do, you need to think, what is this going to look like? Right? You need to ask yourself the question now. Question, do you actually know what it's going to really look like? No, you don't. Or uh, what's, what uh, was always asked to me or what I would ask someone else, and I hated this question. Um, I, would, I was getting ready to propose to my now wife, and I would ask someone the question, how did you know? How did you know they were the one? And what would they say? You just know. I'm like, what the flip? You just know? Right? You just, you just know. And now I'd be like, you just know, right? You just know. So you need to think, what will this mean and what will this imply? Well, um, it says in 1 John 2.6, I wish Jeremiah was here because that's like his life verse. It says, if you abide in him, referring to Jesus, that you should walk in the same manner as he walked. That if you're going to walk with Jesus um, before you do or as you are walking with him, you should think about what does that mean? What does that imply? What is that? What are the implications of the decision I'm making? Because um, in either way, whether no matter where you come in tonight, I think it'll apply very well whether you are not a follower of Jesus, um, you're a brand new follower of Jesus, or you've been following Jesus, man, since you came out of the womb, right? You got smacked in the head, confirmed, and you've been following him since day one, right? Every, no matter how you come in, that's not a thing, that's not possible, but anyway, um, no matter how you come in, I think this works because walking with Jesus, a lot of us 
believe it to be this one-time event or this decision you made when in reality it's an ongoing process. It's this thing in us that is day-to-day, moment-by-moment, decision-by-decision, and really event-by-event. And and I'm going to encourage some of you um, to make a decision tonight that maybe you've been putting off, and I'm really, I'm, I'm not holding any punches here. Getting out of the boat for a lot of you um, is very difficult, and you already know where, what God's going to bring up tonight because you've been holding back in an area. Some of you, it's very minor. It's a very small thing. For some of you, it's a very big thing. And for some of you, it is life-altering. If you make a decision, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess everything up. But when you follow Jesus, he never, never um, promises you that it will be easy. He never does. He promises us that he will be with us. I was just talking um, with one of my mentors, and uh, for pretty much everyone here knows, we're in the process of planting this church, and it is just like very exciting, a ton to do, very awesome, and very hard at the same time. And I looked at my mentor, and I was like, dude, this is like, super hard. He was like, good, because no one ever said it would be easy. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, right? You just, you get into something and you forget. So um, tonight, really, the the major overarching theme is when you walk with Jesus or um, when you're going to walk with him, he allows the journey. And so it says in verse 22, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Let me just pause because I have this problem. I'll like read a few lines and I'm like, oh, let me tell you about this. Um, Beforehand, what's taking place? Jesus feeds around 5,000 men. Really, it's probably around 25 to 30,000 people with a few loaves and a few fish, which is very, very significant. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, Just imagine Chick-fil-A sandwiches falling from the sky. And really, it says they ate and were satisfied. That's why I never want to run out of food because Jesus didn't. And I want to follow in his footsteps and always have more than enough. Um, And so anyway, he, he does these miracles and he's doing this miracle. And then he tells them to go to the other side. Now, it's the Sea of Galilee, which is around six miles wide. Commentators would say, or Bible nerds would say, that they believe it takes around nine hours to swim, or really six hours, sorry, to swim across, or to not swim, row across this sea. So he sits there and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to get in this boat and I want you to get away from me. Okay, so when, and here's what I like how it says, he made the disciples, you ever feel like you got made to do something you didn't really want to do? Any of you got parents like that? They just make you? Right? I feel like I have you know, some of that, and you're like, how'd you end up here? Like, I don't even know. I just did what I was told. He made them. And have you, have you ever been in a time in life where you got somewhere that you didn't really want to be, but you're like, I think God sent me here. Right? He, just made, he made them, and he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So it says in Matthew um, 14, 13, that he would dismiss the crowds again and go to a desolate place by himself to pray. Jesus would constantly do this. He would push them away. That is problematic. Why? It is so hard, so hard. 
and counterintuitive to everything we know to be able to be able to reject any kind of publicity or likes or comments or pressure or fame in order to spend time with the Father. And it's not super complex or hard. If Jesus needed time alone with the Father, my bet is I probably do as well. And do you know how hard it is to go alone and be alone with your own thoughts and maybe your Bible and a journal and just sit? I'm not talking like a five-minute session, like morning time as you're running out the door in your car. I'm talking a significant amount of time. Just think about doing it for a 12-hour period. We wouldn't know what to do. We would have a panic attack of all the things that we're not doing. But that's, right, the goal, that you would realize that you don't need, or God doesn't need you to do things, but rather you need him if you're going to do anything. So he goes alone by himself to pray. Super difficult. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. The reason I say he allows the journey is any time, um, application here, when wind or waves or beating or anything that's hard, we assume that God accidentally allowed something that he didn't plan for or he didn't see coming. I don't care how many sermons, how many Bible verses, how many singing TikToks, reels, you name it, of people that are like, God won't allow this or he'll allow this. When something bad happens to me, I am so confused. Why would God do this to me? Why would he send me here? Why would he allow this? It's so difficult. But here's the reality. They're in obedience, The disciples are in obedience, going to the other side. He dismissed them. And so he shows up. The waves and the wind are against them. Go to Mark uh, 6, 48. It's recorded in John 6 and also Mark 6. It says this. He came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. This is why I like this. He's walking on the sea, which we'll talk about in a second. And it's almost like when he sees them, he's like, what in the... He meant to pass by them. He's looking at them thinking, oh, geez, here we go again. These guys, right? He, he meant to pass by them. And it says in another passage, he, med, he made headway painfully, or they made headway painfully. So they're struggling. They're working. Now, here is also what I like about this. Jesus sends the disciples on the boat. Most of these dudes are fishermen. Guess what they should know how to do? Row the boat. Row, row, row that boat gently down that street. Yeah. So they, they should know. They should know. Do you ever feel like, or maybe you've experienced this, you're doing something that you should be good at that now you're really bad at? And you're like, why am I terrible at this? And then God teaches you a lesson where you're doing something and you're like, I can, I'm a pretty competent person. I should be able to do this. The disciples, and this is what he's trying to do with them. He is exposing them. They're not, they're not lost. It's not like they got out in the Sea of Galilee and they're like, I thought we were taking a left, right? No, and how many of you are just, you would resonate, you're directionally challenged. Raise your hand. My hand is up. Some of you will be like, hey, just hit, hit 77 north. <laughs> 77 north? What are you talking about? Is that like at a restaurant, like a menu? I'm like, 77 north. I, confession, <clears throat> I never lie more. Then when, when someone above 50 starts to give me directions. 
what a, what a death sentence. I lie to my father probably once a month. Turning this up. Look at him crank it up. Probably, I don't know, is this not a thing? Check. One, two, three, check. Is this not working? Or sh- oh, it's working. I, I'm, I'm not making this up. I lie to him once a month. Michael, oh, you know where it's at. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, where's it at? And I don't think they know that you can use your phone. <laughs> I'm just being, it's, I mean, this is a hot topic. So anyway, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't lie. But anyway, you feel this. So the disciples are not directionally challenged. They are not lost. They are simply going where God has sent them. So we got we to gotta roll. We got the rest of the passage here. Go to number two. Um, when you walk with Jesus, he is timely and present. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So really in Matthew 14, it's a 24-hour time frame. So it's a day. He sends them in the fourth watch of the night. He shows up to them. Fourth watch of the night is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. He shows up to them walking on the sea. Why don't I like that? Because when you're in a storm, don't you feel rushed? Don't you feel like you're missing something? Like you need to make a quick decision? You imagine the disciples in the boat in a storm Think of the conversation they're having. Don't you think they're yelling at each other? You ever been lost with your buddies in the car? Or your friends in the car? Yelling at who looked at the directions wrong, who did this, I told you not to use that app. You're yelling. And then you add blowing a tire. You add a snowstorm. You're fighting. You're in, and you're tired. This is 3, 4, 5 a.m. This isn't like they just got done with lunch. They're tired. And Jesus, what's he doing? He's walking. I, I wish, I wish, and I've been trying to learn to walk at a pace that he walks at. Some of us can't see Jesus. We can't hear from Jesus because we just can't walk at the pace he goes at. We can't catch him at the pace he's at because we're gone. We can't slow down long enough or turn the volume down low enough to hear his voice. He shows up walking. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, here's why this is fun. They've been walking with Jesus for two years. Two years. Guess how many miracles these dudes have seen? 13. That's a lot. If I, if, if, I, if I put myself in their shoes, if I have been with Jesus for two years, I've seen him do miracles, probably more, other, other stories would say, that couldn't even be written. If I have seen this, and he has sent me across the sea, and I'm in obedience, and I see some weird shadow, I would hope that my first response is not like, oh, it's a ghost. Halloween's coming up. What is it? It's, I would hope that I would be like, oh, God has sent me. This is so providential of him. He's probably going to do something incredible. He's, he's allowed this storm. I wish I was in the boat. Like, guys, don't you remember what he said? He'll be with us. Come on, God. Right? So you would think, but guess what? 
just like the disciples, you and I assume the worst, regardless of what he said, regardless of where he sent us, regardless of the promises he's given over us, we assume the worst. Fear is a driving, driving emotion and motivator for a lot of us. Fear will determine, determine the decision we make when we're in a storm. And for those of you, a lot of you would know this, in the Bible, 365 times, do not fear. For all my fearful and anxious brothers and sisters out there, one for every stinking day. Ain't that sweet? Do not fear. I got a test coming up. Oh my God. Do not fear. I don't know what I'm going to do. This showed up in this semester. Do not fear. I got a doctor's appointment. I shouldn't be nervous, but I'm nervous. Do not fear. I don't know what I'm going to do. I should have been here by now. Do not fear. Everything, it's over and over and over again. And it's not do not fear because you're awesome. Right? It's not like we can do it and we got it. It's do not fear. Why? Because guess who's in the storm? Oh, man. Woo. I was like, I got to start over. Uh, no, it's, it's do not fear because of him. And, he, and here's what, let's, let's finish this. They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Take heart literally means be brave with your mind. Take heart, command, statement, identity, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, I like to be optimistic, but just because I like to play along with the text a little bit and conjecture, what if they were like, oh, who's I? <laughs> you would think they would know. What if they're like, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid, and someone's like, who is that fool? Right? Just walking on the water. Right? No, it's take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And why do I bring up use your mind and be brave? It says in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Fear plays with your mind. It plays with how you think, and it drives you to think in a way you should not think. And I love this because Jesus, he just says these few little words. Do not be afraid. He's timely and he's present do you ever feel like God is just lagging behind? Don't you just feel like he's late? He's taking his time. W waiting is just this weird, hard thing to do that we have no idea how to do it, but waiting is where this faith aspect becomes necessary. I love how in this passage, three times, it says immediately, immediately, and it'll go on in verse 30, we'll look at immediately. Because when it feels like God is lagging, but if Jesus does it and it's immediate, guess what? It was right on time. So for us, we're like, where's he been? It's been like three years. Immediately, Jesus shows up. It, it's incredible. Anyway, let's keep moving. When you walk with Jesus, number three, he's working something greater. And Peter answered him. I love Peter. 
I love this guy. You would resonate with him. He's very impetuous. He's bold. He's messy. He says things he shouldn't say, but man, he just kills it sometimes. And it kind of makes up, you know, for the bad things he does in a way. Uh, God uses him in, in incredible ways. Peter literally gets to experience some things with God that other people don't because he's just a little bit more audacious. And it says, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, is he testing him? Just think about this. You're in the boat. It's going wild. You're there way too long. Everybody's yelling at each other. You're all tired. Someone's cussing at someone. You guys see a ghost. You're yelling. And you hear the statement, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter's like, if it's you. Come on, man. If it's you. How, I mean, this isn't like you've met Jesus for lunch. You guys got to chat just for a minute. Wouldn't that be sweet? You imagine if you had two minutes with Jesus, you would be like, I would never doubt again. His goodness is just so good and he's faithful. Two years. They just talked to him the day before. If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. It's a military term. Have you ever said to God, tell me what to do? Tell me what you want me to do. If you make it clear, I will do it. That's what he's doing. He's saying the same type of things that you have said to God or I have said to God. And he, being Jesus, said, come. Jesus always uses these just one, I mean, even when you look at the passage, if you have read letter, it's like all this story or commentary and what's going on. And then Jesus just has these phrases. He's not rushed. He's calm, he's cool, he's collective. His storm's going on. Peter's yelling, you can imagine. And Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. That is incredible. Some of you, even as I'm reading it, you're like, yeah, it's whatever. Walking on water. If you saw someone walk on water today, you'd be like, someone call the cops and get this guy out of here, right? It doesn't, it doesn't fit our theological box. It doesn't fit. For a lot of us, we, we'll read that story and it's just like, oh yeah, dude, walk, Jesus on water, he's God, Peter, God was there. Think about seeing this or shoot, experiencing that. Think about that. That is remarkable. Walking on the water? And here's why this is incredible. What better way to communicate you are the son of God than by showing you have control over their turf? It'd be like Jesus showing up on your nine to five. Some of you feel like you got your crap together. You got your work schedule. You got everything down and you run the schedule. You, you got this going on. You got this going on. You run this thing and you're just a beast. You're a monster. And Jesus showing up, showing you you have no idea what you're doing. You're a fool. And then him showing you, hey, I control that as well. He is showing, he's walking on the water that they think they master, that they've mastered for 30 plus years. Their minds are being blown right now. He shows up and he says, Peter, why don't you come? Here is a question for fun. Think about this. Peter is the one who gets to walk on the water. Is he in obedience or are the other 11 disciples in disobedience? (laughs) 
I don't know, some of you may not care about that. I think that's fun to think about. Um, <clears throat> here's, here's why I ask that. Because the other 11 don't get to experience walking on the water. Why? They didn't ask. Jesus told Peter to come. Peter asked him. The 11 disciples, just to, I have to answer it because some of you will go home and be like, heresy, you know, uh. The 11 disciples are not in disobedience because they didn't ask. They're in obedience. Peter is in obedience as well because he asked. Next slide for me. I think it's obedience is always personal, but never has personal effects. Obedience always has to do with you. Always has to do with me. If I decide not to walk in obedience, guess whose problem it is? It's me in capital G. It's me and him. But if I decide to not listen, guess who it affects? Everyone in the boat. Think it affects my wife? Dang right it does. Think it'll affect my daughter? Come on. Think it'll affect anyone I'm trying to lead or disciple or any church? You're dang right it will. And even in, just to compare, some of you remember the story Jonah. Jonah, what a great story. When Jonah runs from God and doing what he was called to do, guess who it affects? Everyone in the boat. Obedience is personal. To him who knows the right thing to do, but fails to do it, to him it is sin. It's always personal, but it never only has personal effects. So, next slide for me. You and I need to get out of the boat because being with Jesus, where Jesus wants you to be, is the safest place. It's the safest. So this is where it's tricky and hard, and a lot of you need to think for your specific self and your scenario and where God has you. <clears throat> Only you would know what getting out of the boat actually would look like for you. Only you would know. I couldn't speak to that. Only you would know. What does getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of your environment, stepping out in faith actually look like? Now, I would not recommend all of us jumping in a boat and seeing who gets to walk on water, right? We'd be like, oh, just falling down and trying to send it. No, but I think in a application sense, what does it mean for you to get out of the boat? Because if you want to experience the type of obedience that Jesus offers and the type of blessing that Peter gets to experience, the, the something greater, you have to get out of the boat. And here's also what I love about this passage. Guess who gets out with Peter? No one. He's all on his own. Everyone looking at him like, no. He's all on his own. <clears throat> and a lot of times we play the card of, it's just so hard because I, my environment, which is entirely true. It's very true. We talk about that all the time. But we cannot blame disobedience on any surrounding. We can't blame that card. We can't pull that, well, God, if you'd have just had stronger Christians around me, I would have been faithful to you. If you just had stronger people around me, I wouldn't have done this. Or if you would have had more people like this, I would have done this. It's, all, it's, it's personal. It's always personal. And so a lot of us just don't believe being with Jesus is the safest place. Peter saw the storm and said, if that's him, that's where I got to get. If that's where he's at, that's where I need to go. If that's where Jesus is, hell or high water, no pun intended, that's where I need to go. 
That's where I need to be. If that's where he's at, I don't care who's going with me because that's irrelevant because that's where I need to be. I trust him. He's earned my trust. I want all of him, and I want to be as close to him as possible. You need to get out of the boat, and a lot of us just don't believe wherever he's at is the safest place. I can't tell you when, you, when you experience a real kind of insufficiency, like the kind where you don't just have to fake it. <clears throat> Some people, you'll be like, man, I'm just so bad at that. And everyone's like, no, you're, you're actually, you're the, you did so good, you're great. No, I just, I was so bad. And you do it for affirmation, not that kind of insufficiency. That's called insecurity, feeding for affirmation. The kind I'm talking about is when you legit do not know what you're doing. Like, you don't even, can't even Google anything. Can't even, like, pretend to use the right language. That's the kind of insufficiency where God says, oh, now we can work. Now we can chisel. Now we can expose. And now you will experience the trueness of J uh, John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when you step out of the boat, guess what? It feels uncomfortable. It looks weird. And sometimes, guess what? You're alone, and it sucks. And you feel a genuine, I don't know what I'm doing unless God intervenes. That's a sweet place to be, but guess what? It's risky, it's scary, and you might fall on your face. But guess what? Wherever he wants you to be, that's the safest place. Go to verse 30. I think it's the, the last of this passage. <clears throat> But when he saw the wind, he was what? Afraid. He, <clears throat> second time, they cried out in fear. They were terrified. Peter walks on the water. He sees the Son of God. He sees big, big wind, big waves. And he's afraid. I love this because they have amnesia. Just like you and I. It's like we're like Dory from Finding Nemo, right? You're like, I don't know where we're at, right? It's just like you and I. It's like, why has he forgotten me? What's he doing? They see, you have God himself in the flesh. You see wind and waves. You see a storm and you're like, oh, what are we going to do? That's what we're doing all the time. Is God going to show up? I love in the previous passage, right after Jesus feeds the 5,000, he looks, or 25,000, he looks at the disciples and he asks them the question, have you forgotten about the bread? Yeah, we did. We forgot. <laughs> we forgot. He said, we're afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. There it is again. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. Here's why this is sweet. Have you ever like felt like you were going to drown before? That's a very impactful experience, right? For those of you who can't swim, I have no idea. But anyway, you. Uh, <laughs> he reaches out his hand. Do you think Peter thought Jesus was lagging a little bit? I bet starting to sink. <gasps> he's breathing. He's throwing his arms. He's yeah, sick. I mean, I, I doubt it was like this clean, like, Lord, save me. And he, you know, he got, <laughs> I bet it's pretty significant. I bet it's, I mean, I, I'd love to like rewatch this in heaven, which I bet we can. And he immediately reached out his hand. He took hold of him, saying to him, and here's, here's the crux of the passage. Here's everything. This is huge. Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt why do you doubt? Why do I doubt? It's been two years, Peter. Look at all this stuff you've seen. 
Look how long I've been helping you. Look how, look how much I've ministered to you. Look how much I've loved you and cared for you, provided for you, gone before. You just walked on the water. I mean, that should be enough. Why do you doubt? Why do you think the disciples doubted? Practically, they're just normal people. There's a storm happening, and they feel out of control. Why do you doubt? Why do you fear? Same type of stuff. Out of control. Future. I don't know what I'm doing. Little faith. Jesus constantly brings up this issue of little faith. Why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. I love this. <clears throat> the, the wind and the storm does not stop until what? They're back in the boat. Why wouldn't Jesus allow it to stop while they were there together? Because like I said, it doesn't matter how many times we hear that God allows storms. When we are in the storm, we forget. Doesn't matter how many times. We believe, we believe wholeheartedly. Doesn't matter. We believe that kind of storm is for the other Christians who really don't love God like we do on Sunday morning. We believe that kind of stuff is for the ones who really are disobedient. We don't think it's really for us. Right? I think in there I have Isaiah 41. I'll come back to this. Find Isaiah 41, 10 for me. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Matthew 28, I am with you always. So it's not that life is not going to be hard. Exams aren't going to be difficult. College isn't going to blow your mind. It's not that he's not going to change your past. It's not that this is going to look different. It's that I'll be with you. And that is where you would rather be. Would you rather be on the, on the sand, just checking it out, watching? That would be cool. Man, look at Peter. Wow. That's cool. I like that. That was that. good for Jesus, good for Peter. And that's where we find ourselves. Just living through someone else's stepping out on the water. Because we're just scared. Go back to the end of the path. I think it's verse 30. Yeah, right here. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. This is incredible. <clears throat> in Matthew 13, or sorry, Matthew 3, God the Father has acknowledged Jesus as the son of God. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Matthew 4, the devil has acknowledged him as the son of God. In Matthew, uh, I think it's 9 later on, the demons have. It's been two years, 13 miracles. Guess who has not? These 12 knuckleheads. There's nothing in. And here's the, the pathway to obedience and worship. There's this pathway that takes place. They could belong and follow in Matthew 4. They, they could belong. It's like a family. They sold all they had. They followed Jesus. They could belong. They listened they heard Jesus' teachings. They walked with him. They talked with him. They would ask questions. They defended Jesus. They were sent by Jesus. Man, they, they have experienced some things. There's this pathway that people are on. It doesn't just happen one time event and it's done. No, no, no. And then through all of this, Jesus comes on their turf, comes on their level, and now, truly, you are the Son of God. 
There's this pathway to worship and obedience that they are on, that you and I are on as well. And just like the disciples, you and I, we do this, I mean, I do this all the time. You'll play this game with obedience. You just play this weird game. Deep down, you'll pretend like you don't know what God wants you to do. You just kind of pretend, I just wish he would tell me and I, it's not clear. When maybe it's, it's been confirmed, you, you can trust the confidence God's speaking to you, other people confirming it, his word. And then what you'll do is you'll put it on the back shelf and you'll do the things that are natural to you and the things you're good at. Well, I'll just, I mean, I'll just read my Bible more. I'll just share my faith more. I maybe, I can give more money. I can do that. I can, I can do this, God, but I'm not going to do this, this thing back here. That's, that's the game we play. We just play this game with obedience, and it literally is an affront to God. Because we're like, he, he, he knows I'm just working on this. When in reality, it's, no, I want you to get out of the boat. No, no, you asked me, I told you to come. I've told you, I've told, I told you to come years ago, and you still won't step out. You won't step out of the boat. Why won't you step out of the boat? I don't think that's the safest place for me to be. Jesus, you haven't proven yourself to me yet. So two things I'm going to wrap us up with. If you're going to walk with him, and these are so simple, so practical, some of you will laugh at. If you're going to walk with him, keep your focus on Jesus. And this is why we're doing this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. <clears throat> I think a lot of us, it's hard to walk with Jesus because we just don't look at him. We don't. We look at ourselves and we look at other people and we don't look to God. We don't look to Christ. So it's so hard to walk with him when we're not with him, we're not looking to him. He tells, we ask him, hey, tell me to come to you. And he says, come. And we go to step out of the boat and we do this. What about him? We'll go to, we'll go to step out of the boat and we'll say, ah, what about the finances? Ah, what about the, ah, what about my parents? We, we're not looking. We're not looking. It says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We will deceive ourselves, and we live in a day and age where we are constantly being told, you can do it, you got it, it's in you, you can measure up, look at yourself, believe in yourself, and I'm saying that's a bunch of crap, and you need to look to Jesus because that's when you will actually get out of the boat. Because when you don't, you'll always have an excuse of what you can't do. And that is the point. Look to Jesus. Keep your focus on him. Number two, Worship Jesus. <clears throat> For some of you, you've never done this before. You've never put your faith in Christ. You've never believed that you are a sinner and that you need a relationship with God. And you've never worshipped him or given him worth or value to who he truly is. Tonight would be a good night to get out of the boat in that sense. For a lot of you, you know what getting out of the boat means, but you don't worship Jesus. We could just cross out Jesus and put we worship self. We worship self. That is where we just can't get out of the boat. And I know for a lot of you, 
you would say, hey, heard this whole thing, heard this long talk. There's no way I'm getting out of the boat. That doesn't look safe to me. He hasn't earned my trust. I don't think I can trust God in this area. This is not me. This is not my family background. This wasn't my upbringing. Whatever the case may be, when you keep your focus on him, when you worship him, guess what? There are, there's something greater there for you. The something greater for Peter was not walking on water. Guess what it was? Worshiping Jesus for who he truly was. Because when you see Jesus for who he is, you keep your focus on him, you can't help but give him worth and worship him. That's the natural response. I'm going to end with a very funny video and an illustration. Go ahead and play it for me. Come on. One, two, come on. Three, come on. One more. One more. No. Come here. Come on. Come on. Yep. Oh my God. Come on. Come here, Curly. Oh my gosh. This is huge. Come here. Come on. She's going to make it the whole way. Come on. One more. Oh, we're in trouble. She's going to be walking all over the place. One more. Come on. I'm done. She, that was about seven. That was about seven steps, is what I said. She was eating a Target uh, gift card, which is kind of ironic. Guess what? I said in the video, this is what huge. This is huge. You want to know how many kids learn to walk? Freaking all of them, right? Uh, that's what I learned. Now it says it says that. 90, or stats come out, 99% of parents believe their children are in the top 1%. And I was always like, as a youth pastor, I'm like, what a joke. And I'm like, yeah, have you ever met my daughter? Like, frick, man, she was walking at 10 months. Like, you know how many babies walk that early? None. Right? Because you want to know why? Because she's mine. It's my daughter. I'm losing my mind over seven steps. Seven steps. And guess what? Tons of other videos and things. I mean, shoot, I'm calling the news station. Get the helicopter and Nick. Get the neighbors over here, man. This is crazy. Right? Because I'm losing my mind. And in all of this, when she would take one step and fall, take one step and fall, guess all that I did? Hey, eyes up here. Hey, one more. One more. I, I'll help you. I'll help you. She'd fall. Guess what? I get her back up. Hey, one more. Keep, hey, eyes up here. Focus here. This is huge. Get, hey, come on, one more. And, and how much more do you think God does that with you? Look to him. You take a step, you fall. You take a step, you fall. You fall. You fall on your head. You fall over. You roll down the steps. You take one more step. And he says, hey, I don't care about that fall. I don't care. You look right here. You walk with me. You look to me. And, and it says in Zephaniah, oh my, he, that he sings and dances over you. Shoot, man, he's throwing a party in heaven when you take one step out of the boat. That when he says, come, you picked your leg up and you started to walk, and he is losing his mind because you are his. And that is why it is worth it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you for the story that we got to read tonight and thank you for Peter and us getting to see and resonate with so much of his failures and his obedience 
And Lord, I pray for those in this room who need to get out of the boat, whatever that means for them. Holy Spirit, would you make that so clear what that means? Whatever it is, I pray that you would give them the faith to make the right decision. That they wouldn't have all the answers, they wouldn't have everything figured out, they wouldn't have the right things in place, that a step of faith truly means a step of faith. God, I ask that you would raise up people in this room who walk to you and with you. God, would you help us to walk in the same manner as you walked? And God, for those in this room, they just feel so discouraged. They feel just so beat up. They feel like the waves of life have just crushed them in so many ways. They feel like even tonight is just not even a part of where they are in life because they have fallen so many times. God, I pray that they would be reminded tonight that you let your hand down just like to Peter and you say, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt that they would sense your hand reaching down to them in this very moment? Lord, I pray that you would help all of us <clears throat> to walk with you. Would we worship you? regardless of outside circumstances or people or support. Lord, I thank you so much for tonight and getting to be here. And would we all leave here with a greater sense of your love and forgiveness you have for us in Christ. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here. You are dismissed. Don't forget next week, costume party. Uh, dress it up and make fun of Trent's mustache. Have a good night, guys.